Welcome to Extra Portion, the mini podcast featuring more from the world of Delicious Magazine with me, Jilly Smith. This week, we're drinking cocktails with kitchen cabinet panellist Rachel McCormack, whose book, Chasing the Dram, suggests that we've missed a trick with whiskey. If you look at old Spanish and French recipes from the 19th century, a lot of the time they'll have brandy in them, and sometimes they'll have brandy or wine in, in kind of indiscriminately because that's what they had about. And I had a friend, especially a Norman friend, who kept telling me about her recipes. Well, if you've got some Calvados, put a little bit of Calvados in this. And I was thinking, we never do this with whiskey in Scotland. Whiskey is never in food. And when you look at it, it's the history of the way whiskey was developed. It became an industry very quickly. It became a way of making money. It became a way of keeping communities together. So people wouldn't be using it in food because it was almost too precious to be used in food. And so I thought, well, actually... So many traditions that we think are really old are actually kind of new and invented. If you go to Spain and there's all these fantastic food festivals and you think, oh, this is traditional and been going for 300 years, someone invented it in 1991 and they're great festivals. And I thought, well, we should have a tradition of cooking with whiskey. We just need to invent one. So that was my idea of inventing a tradition of of like people and people who like whiskey or people who, who like food inventing a tradition of cooking with whiskey. And the thing about whiskey is... Everything, whiskey has so many different things in it. You can have a one whiskey that tastes almost like rum, that is really sweet, that's kind of sugary, and you can have another one that tastes almost like cigars and cigarettes. Mm. And so all those different ranges of flavours can go into your food. And I just thought it was a good way to look at whiskey that was quite different. And so we don't really have a big food culture. That was the thing I found really interesting is I know British people were trying to get a food culture, but it's not a fundamental part of us the way it's a fundamental part of the Mediterranean. Mm. And I realised that a lot of the what people in Spain and people in the south of France do and what people in Italy do to welcome you, to show you hospitality, is give you food. In Scotland, people will traditionally give you whiskey. Yeah. And there's quite a lot of things that you can still see people do that you realise this is an idea of hospitality is sharing a whiskey with somebody. It's a lovely idea. It's a really lovely idea. Now, some of the pairings that you've done, putting mm-hmm. whiskey with some really unusual products, some really unusual uh, food cultures as well. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the venison biryani. Well, the thing is, everybody forgets that the national drink of India is unofficially Johnny Walker. <laughs> they drink whiskey like there is no tomorrow and they drink whiskey with food and the very first time I saw it I was in a South Indian restaurant in London and two Southern Indian guys who were like as wide as they were tall walked in and I was sitting with a friend of mine from North India and she just burst out laughing because they sat down they got a bottle of Johnny Walker Black two glasses ice and a big load of lamb chops and she said oh they're here to do business (laughs) and I said really why are they drinking whiskey and she said oh well that's what we do, we drink whiskey with, with food. If we're having lamb chops or we're having a biryani or we're having meat, we'll, we'll have whiskey and soda with it. And I thought, it's amazing, we don't we don't think about that. Mm. And then I realised that actually whiskey and soda go much better with a biryani, with most Indian food, than, than wine does. I mean, wine can go with Indian food, mm. but you've got to really work at it. Mm. It's a colonial throwback, isn't yeah. it, obviously? It, it's a colonial throwback, but also even just the taste, you realise this works much better. You have the... The, the Johnny Walker and the soda on the side of the venison biryani. I think if you wanted to add whiskey, you would put it through the, you would put it through the marinade of the of the venison. But I didn't do that because I didn't necessarily think that that would add a lot to it. What whiskey does is really good with is if you're doing tomato sauces, if you're doing things like onions and garlic and making Italian tomato sauces or Spanish or French ones. Um, if you you notice if you put whiskey in it, just normal blended whiskey, you get a depth of flavour that you don't know quite what's there. Mm, 
So I now, when I make lasagna, I make a bolognese, I always make it with whiskey. Interesting. And any old blended whiskey, as you say? I wouldn't use a good whiskey unless it was something more towards the end or where there's a really obvious taste. If you're going to be cooking it for a long time, a blended whiskey will do the job for you in a way that... A, an, a more expensive malt whiskey will work, but you will be upset at how much whiskey you've put in. In the same way as you wouldn't use a really, really good extra virgin olive oil in cooking when you can get away with just normal no. olive oil. It's the same kind of thing. That's probably the best way to look at it if you're cooking. What would you use normal oil for? Then use your blended whiskey. What mm. would you use extra virgin olive oil for? Use a better okay. whiskey so you can really taste the, the difference. Yeah. So... Tell us about the risotto then, because you also use it with the risotto. Yes, because there's a there's a northern Italian dish where what they, you do is you take a soup spoon of white wine and you pour it in the bowl and then you put rice on top and then you fork you fork the wine you you put your fork in and then fork it up to, mm-hmm. to eat it, which makes it really frothy. And I thought you could do that with whiskey, but you have to do it with like half whiskey, half soda, and just a soup spoon and it definitely makes a difference what whiskey you use if you use a Glenlivet which is a Speyside and quite light it's a very different flavour than if you use a Talisker or a Lagavulin which is Lagavulin is the really peaty whiskey from Isla and you definitely would taste a really big difference and it's a really really good thing to do the only thing with whiskey you have to be careful of it's not like wine where you would just liberally pour stuff on you need to be careful that you're not making a cocktail you're making you're adding a bit of whiskey to food you're not trying to make a rice cocktail. And so it would be a spoon, a, a, a dessert spoon? I would say it would be a soup spoon, half whiskey, half soda. So I would say if you were serving four people, put a tiny bit of whiskey and put, say, dub, put half amount, of, same amount of soda. So you put in the whiskey, you put in the soda, and then you spoon it out into the bottom of the bowl and then put the rice on top. Mm. And, and the other one that I found really interesting is the Gravelax, largely because I went down to my fishmonger recently and got a side of salmon and he said, cure it with vodka and I'd never done that before in your book you talk about doing it with whiskey it's actually becoming increasingly common to cure salmon with whiskey and there's also people curing salmon with gin but this is the thing I noticed when you look at Scandinavians they use aquavit to cure salmon which made me think how strange it was that we have not one recipe in the kind of Scottish repertoire of recipes with any whiskey at all so the gravidlax in the recipe in my book I've changed the percentage of sugar to salt because Norwegians like doing it when it's quite sweet mm. but I just think Scottish people it would suit them better to have more salt like than sugar well yeah. also just because you know Norwegians are nicer than I am so I thought it was quite <laughs> I'm kind of a bit more bitter and salty so I did um, two I did two parts of I think I did two parts of salt to one part of sugar and then a whiskey with I really like it with a peated whiskey but not too much peat so a Campbelltown whiskey like Springbank or Highland Park and then when you really can taste the difference. But again, I think that the thing about that is you could do different... Gra- if you were so inclined and you wanted to have an adventure or have some friends around, you could do three or four different Gravidlax of the same recipe with three or four different whiskies and see which one you liked best. Now, Rachel, mm-hmm. most people might have one bottle of whiskey, maybe two for a special occasion, but they're not going to have a whole shelf. I think people that like whiskey have collections. I mean, I have in the past two years met people who have like 300 whiskies in their house and they think that's normal and I don't I don't think they're Scottish no actually there's quite whiskey geeks are there's like a separate tribe of people in this world who are the who are whiskey obsessives and they will go anywhere for a new whiskey and try and spend all their money on a different whiskey and they're not always Scottish a lot of the time they're not there's a lot of English whiskey geeks and there's a lot of Australian whiskey geeks and Taiwanese people 
like their whiskey. I mean, they have entire careers in yeah. whiskey. And, and Japanese, of course, as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But just for, for, for delicious readers who'd like, like me mm-hmm. to, to try something like the Duck with Prunes uh, and whiskey, is there one whiskey that we should take away with us? Well, with the duck with prunes, again, that's something that you're going to be cooking for for quite a for quite a long time. So I would use a blend. I would use famous grouse if you want something a bit lighter. I would use Johnny Walker Black if you like something with a bit of smoke. If you want something a bit sweeter. Ballantines is a really really nice blend. Those are the three blends that I would look at for cooking, depending uh-huh. on what you like. Perfect. And timing. here arrives the cocktails. Here comes the cocktails. Alessandro, what have we got here? Yeah, you go Negroni Torbato. I just want to go a little bit of peace. As a, this is my last one since I come back from Ireland. Um, this is my fifth or sixth time, and I was in Ireland to do whiskey to try, uh, cocktails. Some people they thought I was uh, the devil. It's called whiskey cocktail with Ireland whiskey. I say yes, definitely. <laughs> and uh, this is what I did uh, for Doctor Morgan for a special event. So Negroni, of course, they are from Florence. And then in Italy came out uh, the, the variation Negroni Sbagliato, which is Negroni with a mistake, with Prosecco. So I thought, hey, I'm in Ireland. Negroni Torbato, which sounds, Torba is pit in English. So I kept the Italian name, as you can hear, the accent as well. And what we got here is we got, like, everyone 16 years old. Uh, but it's the exam. So I saw that uh, the inspiration comes from the Negroni. Three different uh, spirits, three the same equal parts. Um, like I've 16 years old, China, or here yeah, in English you can pronounce China, it's an artichokes bitter. And at the moment, also younger bartender, they discover what we've been introduced. This is many years ago, it's like Aperol, all this product. Mm-hmm. Bartender, they were snob, but they put their nose up. Now they actually, uh, it's an amaro. It, yeah. Indeed, it's an amaro, made with artichokes. It's one of my favorite okay. ones. So it's not because some of the amaro in Italy are too sweet. And then apple, just to give a little bit of lightness. And then a spray, what you can smell, it's a peat flavor. So this spray, I add extra, it's, doesn't, it's just a neutral. It's just the smell what you get. And then a slice of orange. Lovely. Well, that is gorgeous. The thing with an Alessandro cocktail, as, you can, as I put in the book, it's not like other people's cocktails. Yeah, it's smoky, hey, isn't it? Really, it's really smoky. Mm-hmm. It's hot. But without uh, without ruining the the whiskey, that's the more important thing. Is is of course there is the the Isla whiskey. The thing I've learned in the past couple of years is that you really need to respect a cocktail. And people who make cocktails like Alessandro or Ryan Chetty or other people who who are in my book, they really really spend months trying to get the perfect cocktail. And if you're going to make a cocktail, respect the rules of it and respect your ingredients because. It isn't. It isn't as like making a stew. You can add a bit of fennel because you fancy some fennel. You can add a different whiskey to to a stew just to see what you think about it. With a cocktail, you should really do what someone's told you to do. So there's only about three or four cocktails in my book, and every single one of them has been given to me by someone that knows what they're doing with a maximum number of ingredients because I wanted people to make them at home mm. because I think you know there's a big difference between. Um, the kind of cocktails that people will make in a bar. If you go to a really fancy bar, the cocktails are amazing, but you're never going to make that at home. Yeah. You need one that you can look at it and go, I can buy these things and I can make this drink and I can make the people I'm giving it to really happy. Thanks for listening to The Delicious Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review it on your podcast app. See you next week.